Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are continuing the series called Little by Little, Finding Your Identity in Christ. And uh, really, over the last several weeks, we've been in chapter 5. And we've been talking about that in chapter 5, in the first 20 verses of it, there's 15 commands. And we've been talking about what commands mean. Commands are basically when God tells us not to do something, God's not trying to rob us of all the joy and the pleasure of doing something. He's actually trying to help us enjoy life and enjoy the way that life was meant to be lived. And when God tells us to do something, what he's telling us is enjoy this. Do everything you can. This is how life is supposed to be lived. And so we looked a couple weeks ago at verse 1, the very first command that said, be imitators of God as beloved children. And we talked about how parent, as kids imitate their parents, we too are supposed to imitate our perfect heavenly father. And so uh, Paul now starts to get very specific. We start to see ways that we're supposed to imitate our father. And last week we looked at that we're supposed to specifically imitate him in love. And basically what we talked about was what love is and what love isn't and how we're to imitate that love. And this week we're going to be talking about light. Paul gets a little bit more specific and he talks about we're supposed to imitate our heavenly father in light, walking in light. In fact, the title of today's message is Human Flashlights. The reality is we all know what a flashlight is, right? A flashlight uh, lights up the dark. Anytime you're at home, the power goes out, you have a flashlight to help illuminate so you know where you're going. And what we're going to learn today is that's really what we are called to do. As believers, as followers of Jesus, we are called to light up our dark world. And we're going to be able to see some specific ways that we are to do that. In fact, uh, in uh, the Bible, there's references, over 250 references to light. And just as much as there's references to light, there's hundreds of references to darkness. And this idea of light and darkness is something familiar to all of us. I mean, all we have to do is walk outside our front door and we see this in nature, right? I mean, think about it. Last Sunday, last Sunday was bright and sunny. It felt really nice in the air. Like, you know, you kind of felt joyful. You felt happy. All felt right with the world. You might have even sang a song or two, not just in church, but in the car and at home, you know? You are happy. It does that to us. But then we wake up days like today, it's a little dark, a little gloomy, a little dreary out. And we feel tired, discouraged. We can even feel sad. So we could see images of light and darkness in nature, but we can also see light and darkness in our culture. Think of all the ways that our culture symbolizes this idea of light and darkness. For example, in the news, you'll hear things like today was a dark day in history. Or you'll hear things like, new light was shed on this case. Now, when I think of light and darkness when it comes to our culture, my mind immediately goes to one of the most famous, popular, most well-loved movies of all time. Some of you already know this. You thought of it. And it is Star Wars. Yep. See, some of you already said it. Some said it more brave. Some of you are like, Star Wars? Maybe? (laughs) It's Star Wars. It's one of the most beloved movies of all time. And I'm not talking about episodes one, two, and three. Those were lame, all right? I'm not talking about the most new ones, all right? I'm talking about the ones in the 70s and the 80s, four, five, and six. Look, I'll be out in the lobby. You can debate me later about it. I'm happy to have this conversation, all right? But that's what I'm talking about because the whole idea, the whole story is around one man named Luke Skywalker, and he represents what's good and what's right, and he represents the light side of the force, right? 
And then you have this evil guy, the one who represents the dark side of the force, Darth Vader. And he represents everything that's bad and wrong with the world. But with so many different ideas out there about light and darkness, it's important for us to get into God's word and to understand that when the Bible talks about light, what does it mean? And when the Bible talks about darkness, what is it actually speaking of? Because when the Bible talks about light, it's talking about truth, salvation, living in such a way that honors God. And when the Bible talks about darkness, it's referring to living away from God or the things of God. Even Jesus made this statement about himself in John chapter 8. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, he was defining who he was. He knew who he was. And if we're going to faithfully follow Jesus, we must understand the significance between spiritual light and spiritual darkness. We need to know who we are in Christ. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to see who we are in Christ when it comes to the light. So let's look. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 6. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, and Paul is quoting something from Isaiah here, he says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. In the midst of this dark world, you and I, as followers of Jesus, we are to be defined by the light that we've experienced in the Lord. And so today, we're going to see three ways that we can be human flashlights. And the first one is this. Our walk with Jesus is to be guided by spiritual light. Our walk with Jesus is to be guided by spiritual light. See, we live in a dark world. Now, just as I've paused, no one was shocked. I didn't see anybody's jaw drop. I didn't hear any audible gasps like, what? This is news to me. We didn't do that because we could read the headlines in the news or we could see on social media all the headlines that are discouraging. We see the direction that our world is headed in. No one looks at the condition of our world and goes, you know, this world is really going in the right direction. I feel like we're headed for some hope here, you know? No one ever thinks in their minds, you know, the condition of the world is so good right now. This is, this is so encouraging. I love it. We don't do that because we all know, we all see it firsthand. We live in a dark world. And it's true for us in our day. And when Paul was writing this letter, it was true for him in his day as well. Some people would try to tell us, well, the world is getting better. It's not getting any better. The world is getting worse. And Paul is reminding us that our world is dark and that people are going to try to deceive us. That's why he says in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He's like, don't be fooled. 
Don't let people say things to you or give you a philosophy or a teaching to you that is completely empty or meaningless. And what Paul is warning the church in Ephesus about is making sure that there's not this false teaching, this false philosophy that will get into the church that will help people justify, belittle, or justify their sin. He's like, don't make people think. Don't let the world tell you that it's okay to live a lifestyle that's dishonoring to God. Don't let the world make you think that you can just disobey God and it's going to be okay. And the reality is there were a lot of these false teachings going around when Paul wrote this letter. For example, one of the most popular false teachings that was going around that began to kind of trickle into the church was a teaching called antinomianism. And that's a very long word to say that Christians were not bound by moral law, but were guided by an inner light that would reveal what is right and wrong to them. And if that sounds familiar to you, it's basically today's version of what's your truth is my, might not be my truth. You just be guided by your truth. You do whatever your truth tells you to do. You live that out. I'm going to live out my truth and do whatever it tells me to do because this is my truth. See, their belief was that Christians, there wasn't really anything that they needed to obey. There wasn't really anything that they needed to do. You could just do whatever you want to do. Now that God has saved your soul and he has left you in this fleshly body, you just need to give in to the flesh. Do whatever you want to do because God's grace will cover you. Basically, they were saying that sin was no big deal. They would even say, look, when you sin, that's a good thing because God's grace gets to be on display again. And people will see that and the world will see that and they'll go, wow, God's going to save that guy? That guy's terrible. And so God's grace gets to be shown again. And this all can sound good. On the surface, we could easily buy into this. It doesn't sound that bad. But it was a false teaching. It was a false philosophy. Now, this wasn't something unique to the church in Ephesus. This wasn't something they were just dealing with. This wasn't even Paul's first rodeo when it came to this false teaching. Because it, had to, it was starting to spread all throughout the region. In fact, in Romans, he's talking to the Christians there. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? He's addressing that same thing in Romans that is happening in the church in Ephesus. Paul was saying we can't sin so that God's grace could just keep on overflowing it's a twisting. It's a slanting of the grace of God. God's grace was given to us so that we could say no to ungodliness, no to worldly pleasures, and we can live self-controlled, honorable, glorifying lives until Jesus returns. It doesn't say that the grace of God was given to us so that we could do whatever we want, could live reckless lives, could disobey all of God's commandments because God's grace and the law work closely together. The law tells me I'm a sinner. God's grace tells me how to deal with my sin. Now, it is true. We as Christians, we don't live under the Old Testament laws, but we do live under a law. It's the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. Uh, some people were trying to uh, uh, trick Jesus in Matthew, and uh, they were saying, what's the most important commandment, Jesus? And he looked at him and he said, the, the important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. 
So we're not bound by a bunch of rules and regulations. We're bound by the law of love. Because God has first loved us, we need to love others back. Because God has loved us, we should love the things that he loves. We shouldn't want to do anything to break that love relationship. You wouldn't want to do anything to hurt your loved ones here on earth. And it's the same thing when it comes to the Lord. You want to say no to certain sins. You want to reject those things because you've experienced a love. And so we're not supposed to keep on sinning. We aren't supposed to keep on testing God's grace. We're not to keep on sinning so that God can keep on forgiving. If we've actually been saved, we should be walking away from sin. We should love the things that God loves, hate the things that he hates. One of the things he hates is sin. And so we should love the Lord our God. We said this last week, you can't want God to be part of your life or you can't want God to save you and say, well, I'm going to hold on to these things over here. God, I'm just going to keep holding on to these things. You wouldn't deprive me. Let me hold on to these. Save me, but, but I'm not going to let these things go. I'm going to hold on to these things. I'm not ready to give them up yet. You can't be a Christian and still pursue sin. And so what Paul is getting at and what he's trying to remind the Ephesian church is that this false teaching that's going around is empty It's without substance. It's going to get you nowhere. Our walk with Jesus is to be guided by spiritual light. Sin is darkness and disobedience, but we are called to walk in the real truth and obedience to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will light up the paths as we walk with Jesus to light up what is good and what's wrong, to reveal things in our life that shouldn't be there. Because we live in a dark world. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. Jesus came to bring light. Verse 8 says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Our second thought today is the light changes who I am. The light changes who I am. See, we were all born into this world spiritually dead, walking in darkness, walking in sin. At one time, we were all characterized, we were all marked by certain sins in our life. Even when we were dead in our sins, God made us alive in Christ. And if you're here today and you've experienced Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, you are a Christian, you're following him, you have been changed by the light of Jesus. And that's what Paul's getting at in verse 8. He was like, once upon a time. In a galaxy far, far away, you once were marked and characterized by darkness, but now you are children of light. You see, when a person is in darkness, they not only do dark things, it's their identity. It's who they are. When I was in high school trying to uh, uh, figure out my curfew with my dad, I would always tell him, when when, when do I have to come home? Be like nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. All the nerds come home at nine o'clock, Dad. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. And then he said, "All right, finally, whatever grade you're in in high school, that's when you have to come home." And I was like, "Great." A junior in uh, high school, man, I'm coming home at eleven o'clock. I was the cool kid. All the other nerds were coming home at nine. I had eleven o'clock. And then I hit twelfth grade. I was like, "I could come home at midnight." He told me this: nothing good ever happens after midnight, right? Some of us could testify to that, right? Nothing good ever happens after midnight. And he wouldn't let me stay out after midnight. He was like, nothing good can happen. The reality is, midnight is often the darkest hour of the night. We do dark things in darkness. Sin doesn't just make us bad people. Sin makes us spiritually dead people. And nothing good happens in that darkness. 
But Jesus has moved us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. We are now given a new identity, and the light changes who we are. See, Paul is pointing to a change in us. Not a change in our surroundings, a change in us. Darkness was our identity, but through a love relationship with Jesus, we are now light. We have a new identity in him. Now, don't get this verse confused. We are light in the Lord, not light in ourselves. You see, what allows me to have this new identity in Christ is not my works, it's not my uh, actions, it's not my talents, it's not my abilities. What has brought me into the light is God's grace and his mercy. God didn't look at me and go, you know, Nate's kind of a special guy. I think I'll pull him on my team. He didn't look at you if you're a follower of Jesus and go, I could use some people like you on my team and I'm going to pull you out. We brought nothing to the table. What we brought was our sin and our shame and our guilt. That's what we bring. But it was because of Jesus who came to this earth to live and die and rise again. He has now reconciled us back to a right relationship with the Father. And because of that, our sins are forgiven and we are now changed by the light. We are defined by the light. Jesus even said this in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the light of the world. We hear this and we go, well, that's a big, it's a big light. How am I to reflect that light? How do I shine that light in this dark world? Do I wear more Christian t-shirts? Do I put a bumper sticker that says Jesus saves or, or, or awake at church on the back? No. In fact, I was reminded of this driving in this morning. I'm driving in. And there was this, this is a little detour, but it's going to feel, it's going to be healing for me, all right? Because I've been holding this in. There's this person who was like tailgating me the whole way. They weren't getting around me because, you know, here in Clarksville, there's not really two roads anywhere. Like there's one road and it's like one way each way. So this person's tailgating me the whole time. I was like, what is this person's problem? Like it's a Sunday. This is supposed to be chill day driving. Like this is like, come on. And so this person's tailgating, and then eventually is able to, like, zoom over and zoom past me. And then he's, like, tailgating the other people. And then he's, like, uh, he finally gets in front. And I see him turn, and he does this illegal U-turn. He crosses this median and everything, does this illegal U-turn. The light starts to turn yellow and red. He runs the red light. And then I see him just speeding along, and I was like, wow, this person's a fool. Like, what is going on? And we're driving along. I see them hit their brakes and turn into the church down the street here. And I thought, whew, that's not a good representation of Jesus right there. So no, do not put the church's bumper sticker or Jesus on the back of your car if you're going to drive like a fool, okay? You're going to do more harm than good. And I feel better now, all right? Well, this is being recorded, so I'm trying not to. I'm protecting the innocent and what church it is, all right? <laughs> so do you do those things? Do you post verses on social media? Do you do those kinds of things? How do you reflect the light? How do you shine bright in this very dark world? Well, simply put, you need to spend time with the light. You need to spend time with Jesus. You need to come to him in prayer. You say, God, this is what I'm going through right now. God, forgive me for this. I'm struggling with this right here. What would you have me to do? You need to spend time talking to the light. And then you need to stop talking. And then you need to get into God's word. You need to allow the word of God to illuminate things in your life that shouldn't be there. To illuminate things where you need to take big, bold steps of faith. 
the light will change who you are. The answer is really your priorities now versus your priorities when you were a child of darkness. When you were a child of darkness, you prioritize certain things, right? You prioritize drinking, pornography, sex, accumulating as much as you can in this world, building your kingdom here. But now that you've been changed by the light, you have new priorities. You value awakening groups. You value serving. You value prayer. You value getting into God's word. If we do these things, if we prioritize time with the light, with Jesus, we will shine in our dark world. Reminds me in the Old Testament, Moses is hanging out with God on Mount Sinai. And he starts coming down the mountain and all the people see him just shining. And they're like, Moses has spent time with God. Same is true for us. The more we spend time in the light, the more we're going to reflect that light. It even reminds me of the North Star. The North Star is a very bright star in the sky. It could seem a little insignificant. It seems like just this little bright star in the midst of this darkness. But for hundreds of years, it was the light that guided hundreds of people to travel through the night. The reality is, you are the light in this dark world. You have been changed by the light. You now, because you've been saved, because you've been transformed, because you've been spending time in the light, you get to be that light in the dark world. Listen, when you came to know Jesus, the gospel didn't just begin and end with you. It continues through you. You get to be that light in this dark world. So when your friends and your family, they're coming to you and they feel like everything's hopeless and everything's falling apart, you can shine the light of Jesus into their lives. You can shine the light of Jesus to your workplace, to your school, wherever you go. You can be that light in this very dark world. So not only does the light change who you are, but it also changes how you live. And that's our third and final thought. The light changes how I live. The last part of verse 8 says, walk as children of light. He doesn't just address our new identity in the light. He also speaks practically to our walk as children of the light. Because we have been changed by Jesus, it should change every aspect of our everyday lives. You see, light not only allows us to see, but it allows us to walk. You know what this is like. You get up in the middle of the night, you can't see very well, can you? And you think you've cleared the bed enough, but then you make that turn and you stub your toe. (laughs) I know for me, I've gotten up in the middle of the night and I've walked right into a wall with my face. My shoulder has hit a few walls. And so what do I end up doing? I walk like this, right? You know what it's like? You can't see. But the light not only allows us to see, it allows us to walk. Spiritually, our eyes have been opened to the goodness and the greatness of the love of God. We were made spiritually alive. We can see. But that's the same light and love of Jesus that allows us to live out, to walk out our new identity. The heart of God is to conform us into the image of Jesus so that what is true about us positionally with our identity in Christ is being worked out in our life practically. And to understand how we're to practically walk as children in the light, the key to understanding all of this is in verse 10. In verse 10, this is the action. It says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That phrase, try to discern, carries the idea of proving, testing, a critical examination of something. And so for us, we're to examine our lives and find out what is pleasing to the Lord. 
I read an article this week in Medical News Today that said 19 million people in the U.S. have some type of phobia. 19 million people. That's a lot of people. We know what phobias are. They're the fear of something. And we, we all have a fear. We have, some of us, we struggle with arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Some of us, it's aerophobia, the fear of flying. I think I have a subtle fear of that in my life. Some of you, you might have a hylophobia. It's the fear of trees. And if you have that, I'm going to pray for you because Tennessee's got a lot of trees. Some struggle with nomophobia, the fear of being without cell service. Some of you are like, how am I going to call or text or check my email? Like, what about social media? Some of you parents, you struggle with teens. You have teens who you think struggle with this. They have nomophobia. What am I going to do? But I found a fear that I had not heard of before. And it's this fear called heliophobia. It's the fear of sunlight. It's the fear of walking outside and seeing or being exposed to the sunlight. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what causes this fear. I don't even know the challenges of living with this fear. But as a pastor, I do know this, that there are many followers of Jesus who have this phobia, spiritually speaking. There's a fear to take what I think about, to take my attitudes, to take my relationships, to take my actions and bring them into the light of God and to have God expose things that shouldn't be there. If you're a follower of Jesus, there should be no fear in you to expose every aspect of your life to the light of God. And so to apply this, I want us to ask three questions to measure our desire to walk in the light. Because the reality is for a lot of us, we could come here today and we could sit in a setting like this and we can hear me say, hey, we're to be human flashlights. And we go, amen, I love it. We need to be the light of the world. The light will guide us. The light will change us. And we can get excited and we can hear this and we can agree and respect it and leave these doors and get in the parking lot and drive on Riverside and do nothing about it. But we need to apply these things. It's different to take our life and bring it into the light of God and to determine if we're willing to walk in the light as he is in the light. Here's the first question. Am I willing to be totally honest with God? Am I willing to be totally honest with God? Because there is an incredible pressure that exists in society to appear or look a certain way in public, to look, away on, uh, to look a certain way on social media, to look a certain way in church, or to look a certain way even before God. And here's what happens. We feel such pressure to look a certain way and portray ourselves a certain way that we know is absolutely fake. And here's what it means to be honest with God. It means saying, Lord, I'm tired. Lord, I'm confused. I'm hungry. I'm angry. I, I, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm sinful. I'm discouraged. I'm selfish. I'm sinful. God is big enough to handle your honesty. And just so we're all on the same page, he already knows it anyways. Here's what I believe. Health and healing will never come in your life until you are willing to be honest with God. The Old Testament, there's a, a guy named Enoch. And Enoch's walk with God was so honest, the Bible summarizes his life in 15 words. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. 
Enoch's faith pleased God so much that God couldn't wait any longer to hang out with him. Here's the point. What pleases God is a faith, is a walk with him that is simple, honest, an honest, simple relationship with him. Enoch pleased God, and because of that relationship with God, the Lord was like, Enoch, I want to walk into eternity with you. What's interesting is this is what God said about his son Jesus. Before Jesus did anything, God opened up the heavens and he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. What pleases God is the relationship. There are people here who say they're Christians, but they don't have a relationship with God. They know about God. They know things of God. They know the Bible pretty well. They could even probably go on Jeopardy and kill the biblical questions part. They know God, but knowing God is no substitute for a genuine loving relationship with him. Are you willing to be honest with God? And here's the second one. Am I willing to accept God's total honesty with me? Am I willing to accept God's honesty with me? Because here's the reality. You could come here today and you could decide, I'm going to admit some things to God. I'm going to say some things. God, I've never admitted these things to you, but I'm hurt. I'm struggling. I'm confused. I don't know why I'm going through this or why this is happening. We can easily admit some things to God, but it's another level to stop talking and to listen to what God would say to us. We must be willing to listen to what God would say about our attitudes, about our hearts, our actions, our relationship. See, when we stop talking and listening, God's going to speak. And sometimes it's going to hurt. And it's not going to be what we want to hear. It's going to be uncomfortable, challenging, stressful, but it's what we need to hear. And it's always right. Remember, God's heart is to conform us into the image of Jesus. Listen, I'm not asking you to ask questions that I don't ask myself. When I ask myself these questions, what I've learned about my heart is when the Lord exposes unhealthy things in my life, the way I respond to those things is a telling sign of my desire to want to walk in the light. Are you willing to accept God's honesty with you? Here's the last question. Am I being sensitive to the things that influence my life? Am I sensitive to the things that influence my life? Can you say today that there is a plan to guard your heart and your mind in the middle of this dark world, knowing that there are dark things coming at you at every single moment of every single day, that there are dark arrows being shot at you every single moment of your life, and do you have a plan to guard against them? The way to find out if you have a plan is to ask yourself, who or what am I allowing to have a voice into my life? Are the people pleasing and honoring to God that are in my life? Are the things in my life, the things that I listen to, the things that I watch, are they honoring and pleasing to God? See, when you make a choice today of what you're allowing to have influence over your mind, your heart, and your soul, you're making a choice today of the kind of person you're going to be tomorrow. And listen, you might not be aware of all the things that are influencing you, but you need to be aware, and the way you're aware is you bring them into the light. You can't walk in a close relationship with the Lord and still try to walk in sin at the same time. Those are the three questions for us to filter. Am I wanting to be someone who walks in the light as he is in the light? And listen, you don't need to hurry and scribble down your answers or try to feel like you've got to have an answer before you leave here today. 
but take these with you. When you're spending time alone with the Lord, take these with you and say, God, reveal to me ways that I might not be willing to walk in the light as you are in the light. Bring them in your awaken group this week. And be honest about what God is saying to you. Bringing these questions to the light, it requires honesty and transparency. And it's going to be hard, but it's right and it's good. And we have to expose things to the light if we're ever going to walk in the light. I read a quote this week that said, To walk in the light means that everything that is of the darkness actually drives me closer to the center of the light. What this means is that we're not trying to find ourselves as close to darkness as we can, make sure that we're still on the, the light side. We're trying to get as close to darkness before we completely fall into darkness. It means that if any way, if there's anything that we're exposing ourselves to the darkness, we run the other way towards the light of the Lord. And we search to be people, we long to be people who walk in the light. So if we're gonna imitate God, one of the ways that we imitate our father as his good kids is we walk in the light. We are to be his human flashlights. See, in a world that's trying to tell you what your identity is and this is who you are and you should do these things, what we're finding and what we're called to do is be children of the light. Amen? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.